holidays. And so I am becoming more and more grateful for the, the work that Tina does that I am not even aware of. And uh, so if you have a chance to see Tina over the next few weeks, she's, she's back up from holidays on Wednesday. But if you have a chance to, to chat with Tina, just thank her for the work that she does in this church because it is, it is amazing and it is well beyond um, what I think probably most of us, including myself, are aware of. So would encourage you to, to do that. Um, second thing I want to mention is uh, that if you have a chance to thank the youth ministry leaders, they have, I think, about 40 teenagers with them right now uh, camping. And I've been in that world, and I miss it somewhat. Um, what I don't miss is the, is the lack of sleep. And so, uh, it's, uh, so if you get a chance to, to express gratitude for the work and the ministry that the, the, the leaders that are doing uh, with the youth in our church, it's, it's pretty significant. And, uh, and so I would encourage you to, uh, to, to mention that and uh, to say thank you to them. And I also just I, I, to pray for them as well because, because God is at work in that, in that ministry in some pretty, pretty significant ways. So let's read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Feel free to stand with me. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear, is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You may be seated. Okay, now we got myself set up here. Well, we are continuing our mini-series on uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Uh, last week, we, we explored and discussed uh, Matthew chapter 6, 19 to, sorry, 19 to 34. Last week was 19 to 24. Now we're going to study Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. In the, in the mid-80s, there was a jazz musician named Bobby McFerrin, and he released a song in 1987 
that won three Grammy Awards. In terms of mainstream music, though, many people would likely consider Bobby McFerrin to be a one-hit wonder with this, with this most popular song. In fact, it became so popular that, that president, presidential candidate George Bush used it as his campaign song when he ran in 1988. To win 10 Grammy Awards between the years of 1985 and 1992. The ironic thing about this particular song that he wrote is most people incorrectly assume that it was actually sung by Bob Marley because it's kind of this reggae-sounding beats. We're going to play a clip from it and see if you can recognize it. Anyone know what it is yet? Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Thanks, Ed. We're not going to sing the whole thing because that'd be weird karaoke, but uh, <laughs> this song has become an anthem for many people who are worried, who are stressed out about life where Bobby just offers this really simple solution to life's worries. Don't worry, be happy. And he makes it sound so simple, doesn't it? Just sing this catchy song and all of our worries will fade away. Just be happy when our finances are tight. Just be happy when kids are struggling. Just be happy when our marriages are strained. Just be happy when our health is failing us. But unfortunately, as, as hard as we try, choosing to be happy doesn't actually do anything to help us with the things that actually and usually worry us. I did a quick Google search this week just to find out what are some of the top reasons why people worry. Here's some of them. You don't have to put up your hand if you can relate to them. Getting old. Worried about savings or financial future. My diet, job security, my physique, rent, a friend or a family member, especially one that you've fallen out of, my pet's health, the crime levels in the areas I live in. And the unfortunate reality is that worry is one, isn't one of those things that we can just stop doing a snap of a finger. We can't decide to be happy and suddenly all of life's problems just disappear. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the tension that exists of prioritizing our kingdom or God's kingdom. And we talked about making sure that, that we focus our priorities on the treasures of heaven. And we considered the fact that perhaps the treasure that Jesus is talking about here isn't a what in terms of monetary value, but maybe he was talking about a who. Maybe he was actually talking about himself. So in light of this consideration then, Jesus again points us to, to, points us to ways that we can do that by focusing our priorities on him. That something happens to us as we begin to prioritize our time. We begin to prioritize our focus on Jesus rather than onto the things that worry or stress us. Now, for the sake of clarity, 
I want to make sure that I, am, that I clarify this, that I am talking about worry, which is significantly different than anxiety. Anxiety and worry are not the same things. Anxiety is a form of mental illness. It needs to be addressed very specifically, very personally to your needs. A 30-minute sermon will not scratch the surface on how to approach situations that some of you might be wrestling with in the arena of anxiety. Worry is something different. Worry is when we enter into a mental state of distress or agitation in our lives. Maybe it's in our relationships. Maybe it's in our finances or our emotional well-being. And we get worried when we, are, when, when we don't know how to handle the threats to our kingdom. Worry is a very natural part of being a human. And we all worry about different things. And depending on the situation and the degree of agitation, we might be experiencing... Oh, okay, I thought we lost me. We handle it in different ways. It is very normal to worry. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, Don't be anxious. And I'm going to come back to that near the end of my message here, but I wanted to make this point here. That when Paul uses the word anxious... It's the same Greek word that we read in Matthew 6 to describe worry. It's it's essentially the same word. Paul is continuing this message of choosing not to worry, but instead to direct our attention towards Jesus instead. Now, it's interesting to me that immediately after Jesus teaches that you and I can't serve both God and money, that we can't put our kingdom head of God's kingdom, that the very next thing that Jesus addresses is worry. He says, therefore, do not worry. And he calls us to direct, to direct our attention towards the treasures of God's kingdom. But then immediately follows it up with, don't worry. Now, can you just see it? Jesus standing in the, on this mount, this, this natural amphitheater, And the the crowd of people and Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both money and God. Can you just see the discomfort in the the crowd? Where the eyes begin to roll. People are thinking, how am I supposed to feed my family then? How am I supposed to close myself? Of course I have to worry about those things. Maybe people are feeling convicted and so they're kind of kicking rocks, trying not to make eye contact with Jesus. And there's this discomfort that's in the crowd that's palpable. It's uncomfortable for everyone what Jesus is teaching. And what I like to call the yabbats start rumbling in the crowd. See, the wheels are turning in people's heads. And the yabbats get louder and louder and louder. And they, yeah, but what about food? Yeah, but what about clothes? Yeah, but what about me and my needs? The biggest deterrent in God's kingdom, I don't think, is culture or violence. Politicians, it's the yabbats. Yeah, but what about me? And the greatest cause of yabbats in my life, and I think in many others, is to protect ourselves where we see our present scenarios in our lives and we recognize that these are not ideal. Maybe we feel threatened by them. 
And we hear messages like, God's kingdom is supposed to be first. And our response, very much my response last week as I prepared for last week's message was, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about me? And the yeah, buts become this mantra that feed into our worry and self-protectionism. Where worry becomes our response as scenarios enter our lives that maybe we find threatening, maybe we find uncomfortable in one form or another. And as we consider that worry is the mental state of distress or agitation that we experience due to threats to our kingdom, here's, I think, some, of, some scenarios that, that maybe you can relate to that create and, and develop worry inside of you. Maybe the worst scenarios. Family members diagnosed with cancer, and you're wondering, what do I do with that? How long will it be is the worst-case scenario. Or we wonder, when will I get cancer? Or maybe predictable scenarios where you see this reoccurring pattern in somebody and you say, I haven't heard from my child for a long time. And you're worried because the last time that happened, they were getting into some pretty deep stuff. Pretty unhealthy choices. Maybe for others, there's a past hurt scenario where you've been wounded by someone or something and, and you say, that person didn't say hi to me at church today. And you think... I'm worried that I offended them or that they're angry at me. What did I do to hurt them? Maybe it's practical scenarios where we say money is tight. How am I going to, I'm worried that I won't be able to afford clothes or shoes or school supplies for the kids this fall. Or maybe it's the no-win scenario where work is terrible. You say, if I quit my job, I'll be unemployed. But if I stay at my job, I'll be miserable. The interesting thing about each of these scenarios is that for the most part is their unpredictability. Bob Foster once said, don't tell me that worry doesn't do any good. I know better. Worry is a practical form of concern for our kingdom that leads us to manage our lives accordingly in order to reduce the level of pain, level of difficulty and discomfort in our lives. And we devote our attention towards our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Unfortunately, worry becomes this internal motivator to control our environments, to control our relationships, to control our futures. And it makes it all about control and it makes it all about us. See, often what happens, though, is when we feel like we aren't in control, our self-preservation instincts kick in immediately. And it begins to lead us to, begins to strategize ways that we can begin to reestablish control over scenarios in our life. If I just did this, if I just avoid this, if I just take care of this, then my, my situation will, will be better. And it becomes all about ways that we can begin to take care of our worries, take care of our situations. And the issue that I think Jesus is raising here in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount is that worry is a reflection of us trying to protect and build our kingdoms. And Jesus reminds us here that it's God that protects. It's God that provides. It's God that prioritizes his kingdom, not ours. 
And Jesus uses examples from nature to make his point here. He references the birds in verse 26. He references the flowers in verse 28, and then the grass in verse, 20, in verse 30. It's interesting, as he's beginning to slowly move down the list further and further down the list of creation from more important to less. And he reminds us that our value far outweighs any of those things that he just listed. And yet God still provides exactly what they need. And so as we try to protect and provide and prioritize our needs and our kingdom, Jesus asks us this question to consider. Who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? What's interesting here is the phrase, add a single hour, when it's literally translated, is kind of confusing because it doesn't, make, actually, it doesn't actually make sense. When it's literally translated, Jesus is actually talking about a measurement in stature. He's talking about about 18 inches. So what Jesus is actually asking here is, who of you, by being worried, can actually make yourself grow a foot and a half taller? So most commentators conclude that the question that he's asking is more metaphorical at this point. Essentially, Jesus is saying there really is no benefit to worrying. Worry happens when we don't believe that God will meet our needs and provide for us in the ways that we want him to. Contrasting that with the gen, between the Gentiles in verse 32 who have no hope in God, who put no faith in Jesus, and Jesus begins to invite you and I into this new ethic, a different ethic for living, a different ethic for prioritizing our lives. If we claim to follow Jesus, shouldn't our lives reflect that in our belief that Jesus will provide exactly what we need? Instead, Jesus calls us to prioritize heavenly treasures. So apart from God, our desire for God's kingdom, sorry, let me try that again, set apart our desire for God's kingdom and have a mindset rooted in Christ so that God's kingdom can be revealed in us and through us. This next point I'll make, I, I need two volunteers. Now, obviously, we have 40 youth who are not here today, so I'm going to need some other people to step up. I got one volunteer. Dawson signed up right, he jumped up right away because last time I asked for a volunteer, I gave 20 bucks away. So, uh, <laughs> and I need, I need one more. Excellent, thank you. Now, I have some materials here. And what I need you to do is, I need you to make a self-portrait of yourself. Okay? Self-portrait. You have 30 seconds. This is your material. This is yours. Okay, I'll tell you when to go. Can I have a timer? Is there someone who has, a, who has like a watch that can just, for 30 seconds, I can't see the second hand on that clock there. I see Art fiddling away. He's just texting someone maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> he's, he's grown weary of this sermon already. <laughs> you got it? Okay. So we'll, we'll give 30 seconds. So self-image of yourself. Okay, ready? Go. Um, so a couple things you need to be aware of is that worry can hinder God shaping us. It hardens us to what God wants to do in our lives. <laughs> worry 
makes our lives difficult to prioritize Jesus because we're too focused on heavenly treasures. How are we doing there, Art? How are you doing, Dawson? It's really hard. I have no idea how to do this. Well, the clay is very hard. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, just, okay we're just going to, I just would like you to show us your, your yeah, oh yeah. This is, be, this is not like a, this is like a ink blot test where it's like we're all given our assessments of your personalities. Hey, no, That's pretty good. Okay. So how, first of all, how easy was it to, to create your image just in terms of the, the pliability of that Play-Doh? Not even close. It was not easy. No? This was very difficult. How, it's very what, pliable. So. What is my image in this? I couldn't do it. Okay. Okay. Well, my issue was that this is really hard. I needed it. I spent most of my time trying to work it out. Oh, this is different. Oh, you had exactly the opposite here. You had the opposite. So, this illustration is not working well at all. <laughs> Why not? Well, so, Dawson, what, what, what hint? Well, I'll so tell you what I came up with. Um, so, it needed to be, to be more pliable. Okay. And uh, I think the image I was attempting to go for was that I'm a child of the king. Okay. And so it was supposed to be arms and legs and stuff. The leg fell off at the end because it was not all that pliable. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So the, the the firmness of it affected its. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're working on there. Okay. Good. And and so for your for yours though, Mary Lou, yours was almost too soft though. It was though. too soft. It was too pliable. I couldn't do anything with it in the time frame that was allowed. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what would, have made it, what would have made it easier? Like would you rather have worked with that or with that? I think this would have been easier actually. No you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. Next time I'm asking youth to volunteer. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. A one-legged rabbit. Thanks, guys. Here's the thing. God wants to shape each of us in his image. And unfortunately, what happens is worry can make us, it can affect our pliability to how God does that when we become concerned about our own kingdom instead of God's. Psalm 37, verse 4, David wrote these words, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think this verse may be one of the most misquoted and manipulated scriptures in the Bible, where we think he'll just give you the desires of our hearts, and and we just subscribe to that, and we, we miss the first half of this verse. So I want to emphasize this, the first word, delight. See, the Hebrew word for delight in this passage is hanag. The idea behind this is, is soft or delicate or dainty. It's this concept of, of pliability. It's this idea of how, how soft are we to be, to be molded by God, shaped to be more like his image. The struggle is that when we, when we get caught up in worry, we become more like the black clay and it's difficult to be molded. We be, and we become resistant to being shaped into God's image. And so as a result, we, we miss out on a fraction of what we could have been 
because we're too caught up in trying to control our environments, trying to control our situations, trying to control our relationships around us. And we end up in this form of unfulfilled potential. But when we can delight ourselves in the Lord, like the psalmist here is suggesting, something happens inside of us. Where God's priorities become our priorities. And so the desires of our hearts begin to shift from the things that we want and the, tre- and the treasures of the earth to now tre- to being focused on prioritizing tre- treasures of heaven. And the desires of our hearts are replaced by God's desires. Where we submit control to, of our circumstances and allow God to be able to shape us like Mary Lou tried to do with the Play-Doh. And our mindset, our mindset shifts from protecting, providing, and prioritizing our needs to being content in things that God has provided and begin to prioritize in our own lives. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Contentedness only happens when we can choose to be at peace with whatever happens in our lives because we are trusting that God is in control and that we can submit ourselves to that reality. As many of you know and are aware, uh, several months ago I asked you to pray for my, my good friend Jerry. Uh, as many of you know, she passed away a couple months ago. And when I was preparing her, her message I was, I was struck by the fact that as much as, as people, myself, her included, as much as we prayed for, for Jesus to heal her, she understood that the most important thing that she needed beyond healing was Jesus. That even as cancer robbed her body, she had chosen to be content and to delight in Jesus regardless of what her life circumstances handed her. Discontentment is our human attempt to rationalize why our way might be better than God's. And as a result, we enter into this cycle of questions and yabbats and that end up robbing us of, of the opportunities that God may have placed in our lives because we're too concerned about protecting, too concerned about pro- providing and prioritizing our life the way that we think it should be. God, our lives are inadequate and fall short. But when we choose to acknowledge God's presence in our situations and circumstances, it begins to refocus our priorities from our own to His. And as we do that, several things happen. One, we learn contentment because what God has given us isn't ours. It's His. Two, We make ourselves moldable to be used by God to shape us in however he wants to because our lives belong to him, not us. Three, we can celebrate with gratitude because we can find joy in knowing that Jesus protects and prioritizes our needs according to his kingdom. That as he molds us, it's for his benefit, it's for our benefit, it's for his kingdom. Paul writes in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Gratitude shifts our focus from the things that cause us to worry onto the character of God. 
where we can choose gratitude because we choose to acknowledge and celebrate that even when our circumstances are beyond our understanding, even when our minds want to swirl, even when we just want to be in control and just things to stew inside of our minds, we choose to rejoice because we have been chosen to acknowledge, because we have chosen to acknowledge the character of God in our lives and we can find joy in that and who he is. Joy is evidence of God's Spirit at work in us. What if the things that worry us are actually opportunities for us to turn our eyes towards Him? What if they were opportunities to release control and trust that He will do whatever He needs to in order to shape us in whatever way He wants to, whatever way he, we need it? What if our worry was an opportunity to invite God into our circumstances so that we could find contentedness in Him and rejoice in His presence in our lives. This is an opportunity that that God has given us to remind us to refocus our priorities on Him and His kingdom. As Jesus concludes this portion of His sermon in verse 34, He doesn't say, don't worry, Be happy. Instead, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's been said there's only two days that we're actually supposed to not worry about, yesterday and tomorrow. Jesus actually gives us permission to worry about today, but then he reminds us that we can find peace from our worries because God provides for our daily needs. Jesus calls us to focus our attention on him today. See, one of the things that I've observed about my own life is I've found that when I start to think too far into the future, that I lose sight of where Jesus is down that road. There's just too much uncertainty in life. There's just too much unpredictability, and all I can see is the potential problems that can exist on the horizon, but God isn't calling me to look at the horizon. He's just telling me to look the next step. One of the best ways to see Jesus in the midst of our circumstances that capture our thoughts is through these three T's. One, talk with him. Talk with God. When we can carve out each time, sometime each day, just to simply align our hearts with Jesus for the day's activities as we begin to say, what is my next step, Jesus? Help me to do that. Give me the strength to do that. Give me the wisdom to do that. Give me the courage to do that. And we take the things that could potentially worry us today, the things that could potentially draw our thoughts to self-protectionism, and we begin to submit them to Jesus and his will today instead. We follow Paul's directive in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 when he writes about worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So as we pray, as we read his word, we can bring our needs to him and ultimately submit what we want to what he wants and release our control from our circumstances into his control. We say, Jesus, I'm pliable, mold me. 
So first, talk with Jesus. Second, talk with someone else. Often I found that when we are worried about situations and circumstances, if I live too much in my head, the conclusions that I draw about the things that worry me, they are not good. I can go down a path of worry that's really dark and really unhealthy very quickly. It's important that who we talk to, though, is someone that you, that you know loves you and loves Jesus and will point you towards Jesus rather than to let you continue to stew and marinate in your own worry. Talking to the right person can point us towards the path of Christ-likeness and remind us to trust that Jesus is in control and knows what's best for our life so it aligns with his kingdom. Thirdly, I alluded to this earlier, but be thankful. Choose to be thankful. Sometimes it's important to take a moment each day. Maybe it says you talk with God and begin to identify all of the ways that God has shown his faithfulness to you. Start your day listing off all the things that you are grateful for. As we read in this passage, Jesus points out the ways God has been faithful to the birds, the lilies, the grass. I think we could find comfort and reassurance that although there's many things that could worry us today, that one, there are a number of things that we can be thankful for today as well. And two, that there's a number of ways that God's faithfulness is evident in our lives today. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that too. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us on one last song here. But I want to conclude with this last thought. Some of you have been so consumed with worry. Maybe it's a season of worry. Maybe it's just today. Maybe it's this past week. But worry has consumed your mind. And maybe you're faced with a scenario, some of the scenarios that I shared before. Maybe it's a no-win scenario. Maybe it's worst case. Maybe it's past hurts. Whatever it might be. Maybe you're faced with, you have worry going on in your life right now. And you've been racking your brain. How do I just gain some level of control and you just feel like you're just grabbing a wet bar of soap and you just can't get a hold of it? And you've been trying to find a solution to your scenarios, but you haven't been able to. And you just feel like you're at your wit's end. And maybe as a result, what you've ended up doing is just isolating yourself from God because he's the one who brought you there. It's his fault. And you're angry at him. Or maybe you've isolated yourself from others because you're embarrassed at the things that, that worry you. Maybe for some of you, you've turned to some unhealthy choices because you just want an escape from the worries in your life. Can I tell you that there's hope from your worry? That Jesus wants to meet you where you are at today. That he wants to walk with you in the midst of it. That he wants to transform you from this to this. So as we conclude our last song, if you would like to, to bring those things, those things that worry you to the feet of Jesus, you can come here to the front here as, as a way to express that. You're welcome to stay in your seats too. There's
There's nothing magical about this front space. Just a place where you can just have some time by yourself. There is hope. There's hope from worry. And his name is Jesus. Jesus.